Hey there, it's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Highlights from IndyCar this past summer at Iowa Speedway, the High V IndyCar Weekend, times two. That's one of our news nuggets, and there is plenty happening. Thanks for joining us. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, uh, in our studios again. Tag team tonight. It takes two people to manage this program. Elijah Robertson and Eddie Garrison are in studio in downtown Indianapolis. We welcome your thoughts at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. We already have some. Uh, and then a lot of times we get some late in the show or others that listen on delay on podcasts. So we've got a lot of good comments from last week when I threw out uh, the opportunity to offer suggestions for next year's television broadcast. I've shared a lot of those. We'll go over that and much more in the show tonight. Off season, uh, no news. Yeah, not so much. We've got plenty of news and it kind of starts in some ways. The reason that you heard some highlights from Iowa, because so I'd mentioned this the last couple of weeks, just said it was one of those soft reports because, you know, as you know, as a journalist, you need to have multiple sources on such things to offer a firm report. And I was offering nothing close to a firm report because I didn't have multiple sources, but it was just one of those word on the street kind of things. And let's also be honest, you know, you've done reports before and then you sweat it out, hope it's right. You're worried about, did I get somebody in trouble that gave me the information? And I think I said this too. I said, I guarantee Bob Pockris knows this as well, but he is a partner with Fox, one of the NASCAR partners. He probably can't say it. I think he posted something yesterday and it became official today. Uh, Iowa Speedway is going to host a NASCAR Cup race plus an Xfinity race next year on the June 15th, 16th weekend. So in our world, we'll talk about the NASCAR situation coming up. This is why I thought it was relevant to us. What's the impact on IndyCar with this event happening now? Oh, I think it. You know, it's interesting. Let's just start with the fact that, you know, rising water supposedly lifts all boats. So if mm-hmm. if there's more interest in Iowa about motorsports and if there is interest from the region and people become more familiar with the facility and they see what a great place it is to go sit and watch a spectator event uh, what a wonderful place it is! It's just beautiful. I mean, I know they live in they live in Central Iowa to start with, or or the Midwest, the true Midwest, uh, from my perspective. So they know how pretty uh, the area is and how enjoyable it is to to be in a sporting event outdoors there, particularly you know when the weather's not too hot. But it's a it should be a good thing. But we also know that. You know, when you have multiple choices, you know, the dollar only goes so far in some households. And what you don't want people to have to do is make a choice. And, you know, maybe the good thing is that Iowa Speedway is not a 150,000 seat venue. So, you know, NASCAR can't come in and, and literally just take everybody who's a who's a motorsports fan and and that's the end of that from a ticket buying standpoint in the summer so it's a smaller venue so you know there will be you know demand for nascar and and we'll watch that the you know you just have you just know that it, where is the where is the focus you know 
Team Penske and and Penske Entertainment and Indianapolis Motor Speedways put a lot of effort into reviving IndyCar's weekend in uh, in Iowa, and you know you just hope that that NASCAR doesn't just take the model and 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 replicate it or you know siphon so many of the race fans uh, to their product. Hopefully, it's an attention grabber that mm-hmm. Iowa Speedway is a great place to go spend a night, spend a weekend, watch motorsports and and you know that's that's all the positivity I can give you on the outset. One of the things that's challenging is that these are going to be two race weekends within five or within four weeks of each other. And so as a promoter, you know that you know that can be challenging. So I'm going to get to the positivity on the back end and what needs to happen to make this work, because it, essentially it's just let's make the best of it and see if there is a way to make this a benefit. But you're exactly right. And the track record and and maybe somebody will give us a different example. But generally speaking, when NASCAR has come in either for a first race or a second race, it has not gone well for IndyCar, and in many cases, it has spelled doom. Kentucky Speedway, um, a second race at Texas. You know, that's when things really started to change. What else? Phoenix. Phoenix, yes. Um, Chicagoland? Was NASCAR always there when IndyCar was there? I'm not sure it ever went great at Chicagoland, but it was better than it was towards the end. But you just worry about, uh, as you said, there is a limited amount of budget that people have to come to the racetrack twice within a month span. And the irony in all of this is that Roger Penske, without Roger Penske and without IndyCar, I don't know that NASCAR is trying this. Maybe they would have. So for those that aren't really, and I get it, we have lives, you have lives, this seems to be just simply fixing a problem. This hasn't been a long-term plan. I have, I've been out today. I haven't read all the stories, but my understanding of this when I first heard about it a few weeks ago was they planned on racing in Montreal. And that's what I was being told over the summer that it was going to happen. It was going to be announced at the end of August. And once that wasn't announced, I started to wonder what can they do? Cause they need to fill a hole for Fontana, which is not going to have a race next season and is TBD if, and what it will be. Uh, So it sounds to me like Iowa was just a stopgap measure is, uh uh-oh, we have a date available. Hey, we own a track in Iowa. Would they have gone to this if the track had just been sitting dormant for the last two years? Maybe. But I think certainly the fact that Penske Entertainment had made this a viable event uh, got them thinking, well, there's a track we own right there, and there is... IndyCar has helped with this. Now, the next part of this, and we'll really um, hope this doesn't, I I want Hy-V to do as well as they can to brand, but I guarantee you NASCAR is ringing them at this point. Hey, um, our races get twice the television audience. Now, in this case, it's not necessarily going to be because it's a USA race. So it's a, a night race. So let's just kind of thumbball what the rating would be in the summertime not head-to-head with football so recently nascar has been getting about two million head-to-head with the nfl 
on USA. It's why you want to avoid the NFL at all costs. Generally, they get about $3 million on cable. So I think that's probably what you're looking at. The number probably goes down a little bit. Generally speaking, night races do not rate as high as afternoon races. So it's somewhere in the two and a half to three and a half best case scenario kind of range, which is still even cable to network uh, over twice, potentially three times as much as what IndyCar is getting. So they're going to pitch high V on you need to, to come over here and make your spend here, whether they do that or not, hopefully. And I think this is very likely because I know Hy-Vee believes in IndyCar and I feel like they understand they get a little more bang for their buck in what's going on. I don't see them abandoning an IndyCar uh, or Ray Hall, Letterman, Landigan, but it's one of the fears that I have. Well, and I don't think it happens in the short term, but you can imagine a couple things happening. First of all, a NASCAR race at Iowa Speedway, a cup race, is going to look good. It is going to sell well. There just aren't enough tickets. I mean, there just physically aren't enough places to put people on a short track like that with the facilities they have. So there's going to be great demand. And when there's great demand, there is there there is a feeling of we've really been welcomed here. So it's going to go well for, for NASCAR on that particular weekend. The second thing I would say is that um, you've also got an Xfinity race. So you take that television number for a cup weekend, cup race, then you add in the Xfinity race. If you have, we'll say high It's going to get another 700,000 or so. So you add, you add the two races together and you have, you can go pitch that to someone like Hy-Vee. I'm not sure it's saying they will. But Hy-Vee's done a really good job with the IndyCar race, the IndyCar doubleheader, and it would be a logical call to say, what do you think? Uh, here's what we have to offer. And so, you know, that's at least from those of us who aren't in, in the discussions, uh, we look at this and we see it just raises a little bit of concern for us about long-term. Now, short-term, I think it's going to be fine. And if if I was a, a one-year stopgap for NASCAR, Maybe we've overthought this, if um, but I think it'll go well for NASCAR, and it's going to be earlier in the summer, a month earlier. The weather should be better. Uh, it gets hot deeper into the into the Midwest summer, as you know. Uh, the IndyCar race is, you know, relatively it's still early in the summer, but it's you know the weather's better in mid June than it is in mid July. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I haven't understood why NASCAR hasn't been racing there. Uh, me and too. Me too. Because this is the right size facility. You know, they built all these 100,000 plus seat stadiums, which worked for just a, a very brief moment in time. And then they're too big. And they've had the same issue that we've talked about with IndyCar at Michigan or Texas or Homestead or Chicagoland that you have 15,000 people, maybe less, maybe a little bit more in a big place it doesn't look good even when nascar draws forty thousand in these places and maybe it's 50 it still doesn't look great but that number i just threw out 
That's Iowa Speedway. And they have the ability to add temporary bleachers if they want to. They now have the suites where they can make significant revenue off of that with a very good vantage point as well. This seems to me like the perfect size stadium. That's why I've said it's important for IndyCar. I think it's a good size stadium for, for IndyCar as well. You can potentially sell this out. NASCAR should sell this out. So um, I don't know why this would not work moving forward for them. Now, here's what IndyCar needs to do. Try to work. <laughs> if NASCAR really is your friend um, and wants to help or... See, NASCAR owns the track. Try to figure out a way to get promotion for the IndyCar events during this weekend. You will have race fans that are willing to make the drive to Newton, Iowa, there for two days over the weekend. Remind them there is another opportunity to come back and see something very different. IndyCars plus big concert acts. Come back. A month from now, maybe try to work out a way for a combo package. I'm not sure that NASCAR is going to be incentivized to do that because, as we said, we think that the things should be sold out. Uh, maybe it's to go with the Saturday ticket or the Friday ticket with, if they don't sell combo packages for the weekend. But if they sell individual days, maybe you try to do something that if you come in and buy the single day ticket for Xfinity, you have the opportunity to come to one of the days of IndyCar. I don't know, but just try to use that how you can to promote the fact that we're going to have racing. And then, as you said, too, it's the stronger the track is, that potentially helps IndyCar down the road. And, you know, we noticed, uh, actually, it was after the show last week. I think Nathan Brown at the Star noticed this first when indycar the track whoever was selling advanced tickets for renewals at a lesser price than last year and that i think that window has gone but even now the ticket prices for next year's indycar weekend are still significantly lower than last year now one thought was okay it wasn't a full sellout so let's change things up we tried a big level and i, I still pointed out and i think it was true that you could get reasonably priced tickets if you wanted to be in turn one, two, or turn four, just not near start finish close to the, the concert stage. Um, but now they've all gone down all over the place and maybe they're not going to spend as much on entertainment or maybe it was, we know NASCAR is coming. We need to make sure that this does well because we know people have options. So we want to be in a similar price range for what NASCAR is going to charge. Well, I, th I think the uh, the head start that, that IndyCar made, and it by the way, it what was it, two months earlier than, than where they started last year? I believe I read that in one of the stories that they, they were starting. Selling? Yes, started selling okay. two months earlier than last year. Of course, they've done so without a concert lineup yet announced. So they have gone on the offensive. Uh, good for them. That's a good that's a good strategy is to get get your product out there and and get people talking about it. So so good on them in that respect. Um, you know, uh, you you ask why NASCAR wasn't there in the first place. Um, you know, it's it's not a huge facility. I do wonder about their ability to to get all the logistics in that they want to get. I mean, it okay. the infield's the infield's not big. The infield yeah. is not particularly large. 
you're you talking got... about 80 cup 80 programs you know you're talking 40 xfinity 40-ish cup cars sure so you got a lot of a lot of transporters and i mean it can be done they got hospitality got driver lots i mean you're gonna are you gonna drive uh you know joey logano out to his motorhome out outside the racetrack i mean it there's not a lot of yeah. of infrastructure there for the things that that nascar would need it's a big footprint that nascar brings and so uh, you know that may have been and and i think they just had bigger options you know they had a they had many other places where where they could run and people wanted them and so forth um you know nascar hasn't always owned the track that's kind of another element to this uh so yeah it's just um it's going to be a really interesting watch as as we move forward um you know i i think the indycar race is going to be a much better race it's you know those those short tracks are are fun for contact on the nascar side but you know you it kind of races like a speedway but there's not as much room as a as a big speedway you know for an indycar it really looks like a like a, a high bank fast racetrack and and i don't know how it's going to put on the same kind of show from a nascar standpoint but uh, I guess we'll just have to see about that one. Well, it's the reality. When something goes well, others are going to try to take it. So, you know, and we've all been waiting for NASCAR to try to take all of IndyCar's successful street events. And I'm sure they're trying. I'm sure they're looking to Green Savory and saying, this is what we have to offer. And they're calling Jim McCallion at Long Beach and saying, hey, could we make this work? Is, you know, w- would a stock car work going around the hairpin at Long Beach? Because they saw the success in the television ratings uh, and also a lot of headaches for a new street race in Chicago. But what about going into one that already exists? That's my fear. Uh, I still think IndyCar offers something different. Um, NASCAR should be exploring street events. But, you know, go find your own. Yeah, <laughs> go, go find or, your own. Or, or let's work together. Let's work together and do something. Something like that could happen. And You'd, I think we'd all be fine with that. Yeah, you, I think you mentioned earlier a NASCAR Saturday night race. I think this is a Sunday race. I think is it, it is Sunday night. They have ARCA there as well. So they have, uh, I believe it's 14, 15, and 16 are the dates. Uh, you'll have to pull that up. But unless we'll I miss the calendar, unless I was mistaken in, in what the. You're right. Uh, the 16th is a Sunday. That's Father's Day. Which has it? Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Xfinity is an evening race and Cup is not, but I, I read on someone's Twitter. Let me let me check out our man Bob Pocris. He has the best information on <laughs> our, all of our, this. But I our Indianapolis have... guy, Bob Pocris. Yeah. Um, so let's see, well, he, he answers a lot of questions, so it's, you gotta, you gotta scroll back through for a little bit to get to the highlights of this and more, more, more. Come on. Where's, where's it at? Um, it's live radio 14th Xfinity, the 15th cup, the 16th cup is a night race. So I had that right. So a Sunday night race or Sunday evening. Right. And which NBC can do in the summertime because it's before the NFL. And Bob also mentions uh, it may have been in NBC's best interests 
because it won't conflict much with the U.S. Open on television. I don't know if the U.S. Open would be on, I would think it'd be on NBC rather than on USA, but maybe this is going to be an NBC Sunday night race. Uh, IndyCar got NBC on Sunday night or on Saturday night for one of these events, right? Saturday night, Saturday evening. We don't know the exact time of that. So, okay. Uh, by the way, I, I believe I've heard that the rest of the cup schedule is supposed to come out tomorrow. Since our last program, we got another cup date. And it's one that's right here in our backyard. Uh, the Brickyard 400, uh, worst kept secret in the business, is going to be back on the Oval. Thus, it's the Brickyard 400 coming up. And is it July 21st? I know it's the same day as Toronto IndyCar. Yeah, it is. July it 21st? Is. It is. It's the same weekend as as the as the Toronto race, so that will be an interesting, you know, for the company to be kind of focused on two different places at two different times. I can remember uh, IndyCar running at Kansas the same weekend that it had a Brickyard 400 uh, at one point. Uh, or I remember um, Edmonton a few times. Edmonton, that was another one. That's right. I th- maybe not Kansas. Maybe it was Edmonton. It was West. Uh, maybe a little further west in Edmonton than, <laughs> than Kansas, but uh, they certainly did have um, some conflicts in the past. It just does put a little, you know, a little bit of stress on the shared services at, at IndyCar and, and Penske Entertainment, but I'm sure it'll be fine. So it's good to be back on the Oval. I think a lot of people have wanted that. I think the branding is going to be really good from the standpoint of 30th anniversary. They've already done some shirts that are, throwback in nature uh i saw a lot of uh social media pushes from from gordon and jimmy johnson and 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 uh kevin harvick uh drivers who have great history at the speedway in terms of the cup series race and so you know that that will be good i think they the speedway will very much lean on that throwback feeling you know going back you've done it before you've raced well in the past uh, you know, it brought a special place to uh, to NASCAR and, and the Speedway to work together back in the mid-90s. And so they'll try to lean on that. So here's a relevant question that I, I probably should have brought up last week when we were talking about, um, you know, let's face it, Texas went away for next year because in part of the NASCAR schedule. And there there was an opportunity if NASCAR really wanted to help to do an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend. And my opinion was that's really not in NASCAR's best interest to do that. So uh, the question from Will, he said, one thing I'd love to hear you guys discuss if NASCAR won't play nice with IndyCar at Texas, why does Penske play nice with them at the Brickyard? Maybe that race is more valuable to the track than I realized, but I think Penske could use it as leverage to share a weekend with at least one NASCAR oval. So here's my opinion on this. Um, this would not be an official IMS statement, but my opinion is IMS needs NASCAR more than NASCAR needs IMS. Now, I do think NASCAR needs IMS, and if they were to split, that would be a perceived failure, and it would draw some attention as, oh, where's NASCAR headed? Because they can't even make it work at the most famous racetrack in the world. NASCAR is on a downward trajectory. That that message would be offered and columns would be written, but that would somewhat go away and 
NASCAR could help spin that uh, basically by saying, no, we've got a lot of other places that really want us and that look better. And here's why I think IMS needs it more. It's that guaranteed television money. Yes, there is a sanctioning fee that is significant, way more than an IndyCar sanctioning fee. But that sanctioning fee, I believe, is way less than the guaranteed television share that each track receives. And I do not believe it is all equal. And I think IMS gets a larger percentage than some other tracks. Certainly not all tracks, but some other tracks. So that's why IMS and indirectly IndyCar needs NASCAR. Okay. So they, they, they can't really lay the hammer down because NASCAR could simply say, you know what? We're going to run an extra race at one of our tracks and we're going to hand them that $18 million check. So I think the only point of contention from my standpoint on what you just said is that I think even though NASCAR owns, I mean, it's part of the same family with some of the racetracks where they compete in virtually every case. And I, I say virtually, but I think in almost every case, the tracks themselves need NASCAR more than NASCAR needs them. It's not just an IMS thing. I think most of the tracks would say that as well. Of course. That's why NASCAR always has the leverage. Every track needs NASCAR because that of that guaranteed television revenue. And some would then combat and say, well, why doesn't IndyCar just guarantee television revenue? Well, because there's not enough of it. There's just not enough of it. You're talking, one, the tonnage with 36 points races, two exhibition races. That's That's a lot of content. And races that are always, with the exception of the Indianapolis 500, twice as long. Um, we're talking billions over the length of a contract, not tens of millions. So they have, um, I don't know how that got started, but good for the tracks, probably because NASCAR owned, eh, what, about a third of the tracks? Yeah. Back in the no. day, they owned about a third. SMI owned about a third. And then there were more independent operators like Pocono and like Dover and IMS was one of those as well. So I, I do think NASCAR needs IMS, but you'd have to, uh, I think, tread lightly on trying to make any ultimatums there because it's in everyone's best interest for for NASCAR to continue at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because I'd be afraid that NASCAR would say the same thing that we do about racing in a place like Texas or Homestead. Yeah, that doesn't look great. That doesn't look great when you tune in and see all of those empty seats. And we know there are 40, 50, 60,000 people there. You know, it's in the top third of attended NASCAR events. But it doesn't look great because the place is so massive. So that's why going back to next year, it made sense. You, you're just going to need to try to reinvigorate. You got to keep working. Um, I enjoyed the road course event. Drivers did not. Drivers did not promote it well. That doesn't help your cause. When the big name drivers say, I hate this race, I wish it wasn't on the schedule, eh, that, that's not really the best way to sell tickets. So you kind of have to acquiesce to them and go back. And we all get why they feel like the Oval is special. It's where Ray Huroon won. It's where AJ won. You know, yada, yada, yada. We all know that. So that will get some attention to this event again. And maybe the new car race is better, and then you can get a more entertaining product. And if this doesn't work, in three years, they'll go back to the road course again. Well, I think it has. I th I've always thought that the Oval just had a 
had a prestige about it that when they only made one trip a year there, yeah, the cup race that race was important to to the to the cup fans. You know, maybe not to all the cup fans, but I, but I'm saying the the cup paddock they realized, you know, this is a big deal. We get one shot of this a year, and I'm not sure they felt that on the road course. It was just another road course to them. So, rain, running on the oval is a different story. And there may be a scenario. It can be done. It's just difficult. But they might get better at the logistics. Maybe down the road, you spice things up and can draw a better crowd by doing something very unique on Saturday. Maybe we do get to a point in a few years where they want to run Xfinity on the road course. That allows you the opportunity to have IndyCar there if you want or do a sports car series or something else and then run Cup on the oval. Um, Maybe. you know Those are things that potentially can be done they did it a few years ago we did it with xfinity and indycar on saturday and cup on the oval it's just not ideal it's a lot of work and a lot of effort for that so okay that's schedule part done i've got a couple of other schedule ideas i'll throw out later on either this week or next week we've got some team news we've got more driver news uh, we've got racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. We'll talk about as we continue. Trackside 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Thank you for staying with us on one of the last days of summer. And Kurt, I fear like is normal in Indiana, we may go straight to winter. Uh, I think it's going to be, it was 86 today. And I think (laughs) it's going to be warm tomorrow. And then I see this weekend in the low 40s. What happened? It seems to happen every spring that we have four spring days and then all of a sudden it's 84. I like 60s and 70s. Can we get some help? Well, um, when this no, show okay. becomes such a national sensation that we could do it from Palm Springs or you know South Florida, we could spend all winter in the nice warm well, weather. That doesn't help our local audience. I want everyone <laughs> to be comfortable. Hey, before we get back into the nuts and bolts of a, a lot of things going on wanted to salute so i've been on the hall of fame tour for the last few days and i tweeted this morning that you know i think that might be a sign that i'm getting old that all of my friends in many cases they're friends and mentors but they're all going in hall of fame so last week i went to the usac hall of fame banquet for our friend terry lingner a longtime television producer who got me my start in significant television and many, many others in front of and behind the camera as well. So, you know, Terry uh, had a lot to do with the success of ESPN through USAC and then through NASCAR back in the day. Uh, he created what the in-car cameras and the what did they call it the gopher cam? They call it something different, but a, but a camera on the track to get a perspective and, you know, made Thursday Night Thunder Big-time television programming. So uh, that was fun to go there and, and several others. I don't have the list in front of me, but it was great to recognize Bobby East, Tracy Hines, um, a, a lot of heavy hitters in NASCAR. And the BC39, this is where uh, just kind of rambling up top of my head, 
Justin Grant, congratulations. That's big time. Uh, he's one of the stars of the sport. So you always like to see one of the stars to get a chance to win at a place like Indianapolis. And he well, won DC 39 on Saturday night. Yeah, it four, supposed to be four nights. It became a three-night show after the Wednesday night program was uh, rained out. So preliminary races on Thursday and Friday. Uh, really good action. Uh, Justin Grant also was, you know, close with uh, the Clausens and, and Brian Clausen. Yep. So even more deserving of a driver in victory lane. And, you know, he wins 20,000, which is a big deal in midget racing. And what they have, 72, 75 cars. So if if that's not on your destination bucket list for next year, you ought to see a dirt track race inside the famed oval. It's in turn three. Uh, I, I believe it or not, I'm. This is five years of of hosting that event at IMS, and I'm still getting questions. Are, is it really inside the oval? <laughs> and some people ask me, uh, are those fences? Um, because they saw it, you know, on on uh, on replays and and social media. Are those fences the real fences for for the oval? Uh, I said, no, they, they have separate fencing for the dirt track, but it is just inside turn three of the big track. And so it's quite the spectacle and the lights. And it really is, you know, on a, on a late summer, early fall night, just a really enjoyable, uh, watch. And if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. And it's just a reminder of how massive the place is that they can put a regular size racetrack inside. And it is still a speck on the overhead because remember there's still four golf holes that are not disrupted plus many many other things i'm also really happy that the event is successful and looks like it has a long-term uh lifespan and a long-term plan because it it keeps brian clausen front and center in everyone's mind uh, we you know we knew brian and and doesn't take long before the current generation isn't familiar with someone so i love the fact that he's going to continue to be celebrated and his lasting legacy um organ donation which is is part of this event uh, as well two other names i'll mention because i've known him since he was a little kid he used to race quarter midgets with my son jackson emerson axum is really good he finished second and the young man that we've had on this show a couple of times now logan seavey i guess it's difficult to pass there and he went from 12th or 14th up the third. So he has been rolling and he's leading the two of the three USAC championships. So he finished third. So good stuff at the BC 39. And then this weekend, it's the Indy eight hour. So if you are a sports car fan, you will recognize some of the names that will be competing this weekend. These are GT three cars uh, and their main race is going to be Saturday afternoon. So this would be like GTD in IMSA like the Vassar Sullivan Lexus cars that you may be familiar with, or what uh, last year Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan was running in GTD Pro. So these are proper, serious race cars with an international series, the Intercontinental GT Challenge, combined with the American SRO contingent, which is uh, GT World Challenge. So they're, they're, I'm trying to pull up an entry list while we chat here. So there are a lot of names that, Hardcore fans will recognize, including IndyCar's Callum Eilat. He's going to be in the main event. It's an eight-hour race on Saturday. Colin Brown is going to be in the CrowdStrike car with George Kurtz. Nolan Siegel, a race winner and future IndyCar driver. Earl Bamber is a Porsche factory driver. 
Brian Sellers is a very successful driver. He's going to win the GTD championship this year in IMSA. Alessandro Balzon is a name that a lot of people will recognize. Ryan Dial, who did a few IndyCar races, who still runs in LMP2. Philip Eng, Augusto Farfus are factory BMW drivers that drive for the Ray Hall uh, Letterman Lanigan team. Mario Farnbacher. Eddie Cheever III is is another name that you'll recognize. So, And I left out a few that, that are going to be there. So that's what's going on. That's the big race on Saturday. I think there's activity on track starting tomorrow and races Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My son Jackson will be driving and racing Saturday morning at 8.30 and Sunday morning at about 10 in TC America. The car number is 808 because the car is AOA. That's the team name. So car number 808 in a BMW M2. It's like a GT4 type of car. Uh, And he's got about 10 laps in the car. We went to VIR a couple of weeks ago for a full day test and something broke. One of those minor parts. So uh, he'll be winging it and hoping it doesn't rain for the only practice on Thursday. So uh, look for us. I think there's an autograph session on Friday or Saturday. So Jackson will be out there. He's going to have a gray car with a lot of the logos that you recognize with Browning Chapman and Hayes and Sons race for RP in the IU Cancer Center. So uh, we look forward to that over the weekend. Townsend son Jackson Bell is is going to be racing in Toyota GR Cup on I think they maybe have three races Friday Saturday and Sunday so lots of folks out there hope you can come out and enjoy one more weekend of racing at IMS I guess the question I would have is is I guess as we kind of we're not going to get to a lot of things in this segment uh, further so what what does it benefit Jackson what's what's the end goal what are the goals for Jackson in this race So it's to show that you can drive a sports car and do a new skill because the reality is, so he's still trying to do IndyCar. Uh, We are trying to raise the budget to do another season of USF Pro 2000, but I haven't been advised by many. And you just see the path. You look at, at sports car drivers, the ones that are good started trying to get to IndyCar Formula One. And we have learned that that skill set transfers pretty quickly. The first time he was in a sports car, he was relatively quick. Um, And there are more hired opportunities in junior uh, form, even until you get to IndyCar. There are some that get hired in IndyCar, but generally speaking, you are required to bring some of the budget. There are more opportunities to, one, drive for free, two, get hired, in sports car racing. Uh, And he also would like to just have a job coaching and you want to coach sports car drivers. It will help if you have driven a sports car and raced a sports car. So I think this will open up opportunities. Uh, You know, the reality is not most of these drivers don't make it to what their dream was when they were 14 years old. So the next thing is I want to make a living in motorsports. I can do that by driving and also coaching, and you can get paid pretty well by coaching the gentleman drivers or young drivers. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Uh, and we think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think it will be. I just, you know, I, I've thought about this event. You know, this event's not the IMSA weekend, so it's a different a different uh, crowd. It still has got high level drivers. It's still a very entertaining product in eight hours. You start to get a glimpse of, of what IMSA will bring uh, next year as it grows finish to in a, the dark too. 
Yes, it, yes it will. So it'll be, it's quite the spectacle from that standpoint. Um, but um, yeah, it'd be fun. Very open, open paddock, open grid. So if you want to get close to race cars, this weekend is an opportunity. Um, check your local listings for ticket availables at IndianapolisMotorspeedway.com. IMS.com. So that's IMS. it. IMS.com. All right. Since I mentioned Calamila, let's hit in, in one news nugget before uh, we get into the next segment. Um, today, it was announced that there will be an alliance between McLaren, Aero McLaren, IndyCar, and Junkos Hollinger. It is not a technical partnership as of now. It is more of a, what would we call it, strategic alliance and this is kind of what we said before. This goes back to when we were talking, starting in the spring, hey, I think McLaren would like to add a fourth car. And essentially it's because, well, maybe they have an interest in a driver, but more so, it's going so well commercially, they've run out of space to put stickers. They need another car to put stickers on, and that's what, and hey, this team doesn't have any stickers on their race car. So they're essentially, I think, going to be renting space on Hukos Hollinger for the partners that McLaren has acquired and they don't have room for, and it could eventually lead a little bit more. I think there's the possibility there could be some help from the technical department unofficial. I don't think they're going to have to go through five driver debriefs and it's going to be more unofficial than that. And what it also does is it kind of gives them some dibs on Calamila moving forward. And that's why I think McLaren was interested in this particular team. One, they've got real estate and two, they've got a driver. We'd like to see up close a little bit more. And then thank you very much. We're going to take him from you in another year if we want him. So I would say it's somewhere between strategic and technical because they're not going to allow those sponsors to go be on a car that's not fast enough. Correct. So they're going to help out. If the team needs help, it's going to be more, more uh, contribution than I think you sort of initially alluded to. I know you weren't specifically saying that, but I, I just don't think that if they've got some sponsorship, some some B2B that they want to highlight on the Hunkos car, they're not going to just let it soldier around in the back of the pack. They are going to do what it takes to get it to move punch above its perceived weight. And so to that, I think this is a good thing. It's a great thing for Hunkos. Um, they largely can run their own business while while getting some assistance. I think you'll see something similar, maybe not quite to the to the level, but it may be in a different way, I should say, of what we see with Penske and Foyt. I think that could be a similar type arrangement, but I think Foyt Foyt's team will get help from Team Penske as it's needed. McLaren is going to be able to even add more people and have something to do. They may have a surplus of people, you know, running a third car because they're going to have a fourth car for Indianapolis. So I could see a scenario where they decide, you know what, we're just going to staff up even more to have more depth. Uh, and these people that are running Kyle Larson's car are going to be full time. And then the rest of the year, they are going to help out and make sure that Calamilot is in a quality ride. And, Unfortunately, I don't know that this is great for Augustine Canapino um, because I could see McLaren, unless in, in Ricardo Juncos is able to get the budget to take care of that side himself from Argentina to keep Augustine in the car, 
I don't see McLaren saying this 33 year old is the future. We need to get him developed. Um, now maybe they will see a commercial uh, benefit for him as well and decide that, yeah, he is very likable and we like him, but they may also take a look at, okay, we like Hunter McElray or we like Christian Rasmussen. Uh, I'd start to keep an eye on some people that we weren't really talking about, but let's think about the Christian Rasmussen's. Uh, would they be interested? And I, I haven't even started to go down the list. So uh, Oliver asked you, you know, they've kind of been there, done that, but he did fill in for them last year. And or was that the year before? And it went okay. Anyway, yeah, it was the year before. Young, year before just a, a young driver might they be more inclined to go down that path and maybe it's a compromise maybe it's a, a calamila it's going to be our future employee uh which by the way is probably not a terrible thing it was really starting to look like the best thing was that callum and the hunkos hogger team went separate ways it was getting pretty nasty and when i saw ricardo backtracking a little bit from the statement that came out made me think all right, this McLaren thing is going to happen. And he's been told, if you want this to happen, Callum Eilat is going to be your driver. Uh, and, quote, partially our driver, because that attracts us. We are interested in him. So I just it just wonder, though, if they're involved with both cars or they're just involved with one car. You know, yeah, do know. they really want to be influential in who that second driver is? Um, and if they're not that interested, I would think they might be. Uh, probably would be, uh, but but maybe Hunkos has a little more control over the second car, especially if he's able to raise some budget himself. Yep. Um, you know, those things could happen. I had another thought. Oh, I saw, you know, we knew this. We talked about this at the time, but uh, in talking to uh, in talking to David Malukas the other day that uh, Errol McLaren has increased its staffing 40% since this Again? time. No, since this Again. time last year, since this time oh. last year, it's still it's amazing how quickly that team has grown. That's my yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they made some management changes. The new title for Gavin Ward is team principal. And I like this for Tony Kanaan, sporting director. I think it adds more gravitas because I could see he had a real role with that team. On the commercial side, I think he's going to be hugely beneficial for David Malukas. That's where his work is is going to be done. Yes, the other two drivers are going to want to listen to him and talk to him, but a young driver, he is going to be able to help immensely. And rather than calling him a consultant or a driver coach, no, let's let's do it with something significant. Sporting director, I think, makes sense and works for Tony Kanaan. I agree. I agree. So uh, more McLaren in the news. And we'll have some of that coming up in the next yeah, segment. Yeah, uh, and I, I was remiss. I left Alex Pillow out of last week's show, even though I had notes on the board for him. But there's definitely news today that we'll get to. And I think Brian Barnhart, it kind of sounds like his title is staying the same, but they're going to utilize him even more. Brian Barnhart is a wonderful asset and I think a huge plus for gavin ward who you know i don't know exactly uh, he's management but gavin is really good about helping make race cars go fast and i think if you can alleviate any of the business operations take that away from gavin to allow him to spend more time with the other engineers that is a plus from your competition side 
as well. We'll preview hour number two and more coming up in a moment. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Uh, before we look ahead to what's coming up in hour number two, I got distracted. I started talking about uh, saluting some of our, our Hall of Fame friends. So I, I went to see Terry Lingner inducted last week. I went to another one last night with the Indiana Broadcasters Association. This applies to this show. Our friend Robin Miller was inducted uh, posthumously uh, last night. And Bill Benner, mutual friend of both of ours who worked with Robin and you for many years at the Indianapolis Star, had a great speech recognizing Robin and he had some friends there. So I was, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to go. It was a Gamebridge field house because I had three friends going into the hall of fame, Robin, Mark Patrick, who Indianapolis listeners will know uh, who did everything for many years and was able to kind of walk away and is enjoying retirement and also enjoyed the fact that his son, Drew Storen pitched in the big leagues for about 10 years. Drew was there last night. Got a chance to catch up with him a little bit. Most of us have known Drew since he was a little kid and watched all of his major league career. And and he's now, he's a bourbon aficionado and he has created, a, is a big, I should look this up, big league bourbon? I think it is big league plug. bourbon. I think big it league, is. Yeah, Drew Storen bourbon. Let's give him a shout out. And then I, I also went because I worked with Mark Boyle for nearly 20 years with the Indiana Pacers and the longtime voice of the Pacers was inducted last night, probably a little bit overdue on that front, but I wanted to be there to support Mark as well. So we had a lot of fun last night and got to see some of the local broadcasters recognized as well. And I'm looking up, what is the name of Drew's? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I know you'll say it, but Mark Boyle might be the best broadcaster that this city and maybe any city has ever had. I mean, he has to be in the conversation of of one of the most unheralded professionals in the game. Unbelievable broadcaster. I, I can never say who's the best because I think we all have our favorites, but I do feel I can accurately say there's no one better in basketball radio play-by-play than Mark Boyle. And uh, I, I joke that I gave up a long time ago waiting for him to move on. He always says he came to Indianapolis and planned on staying two years. And even when I started, which was a long time ago, he said, yeah, I'm probably going to move on eventually. Finally, last night, I got him to admit, yeah, I'm not retiring. Yeah, I'm going to do this for as long as I can because it's a it's a pretty good gig. So congrats to uh, Boyle, Patrick, Robin Miller's family, and all the rest last night as well. Field of Dreams whiskey is what I'm seeing oh, sorry about in the that. Google search for Drew. But he may have a different offshoot of that as well. But uh, he and Hinch are buddies, bourbon buddies as well. And I've been spent a little bit of time enjoying quality bourbon where you sip, sip very responsibly because it's really expensive. So you want to sip it responsibly. All right, uh, a couple of Twitter questions before we preview hour number two. Lisa at Lisa Klitz asks, 
Is Iowa going to use the PJ1 compound? If it does, how will IndyCar teams handle the setups? Too early to say. They've kind of gone away from that. They don't use it at Texas anymore. Um, my guess would be no. Now, they do put some sort of attraction compound down some places. So, yeah, let's hope not. Um, but whatever they feel like they need to do to help the NASCAR race is going to happen. That's the other. That's the negative. And you're not going to be able to stop that. Yeah, I don't think they'll put the PJ1 down, but I think they've really pretty much gone away from that. Uh, Philip Gaynor, I think we answered your question. He asked about positives and negatives with NASCAR going to Iowa Speedway relating to IndyCar. Tim Klein, since Thermal is a made-for-TV event next year, will there be any spring training preseason testing? So there'll be a lot of testing, but there won't be an open test as we've known it. The open test effectively will be at Thermal on the race weekend. So uh, part of the weekend festivities include that testing time the teams want. That's my understanding. Always things can be subject to change, but I think these will be, there'll be a lot of teams testing, but you can't really do all 27 cars at Sebring on the short, short track. So, you know, generally speaking, you do half one day, half another day or split them up. And then you're going to anywhere else warm you can find. Um, and we, we now see why thermal is when it is because they needed something to fill in the gap with Texas going away. And there's also the hybrid component, um, that there's, there's going to be a lot of testing to make sure that those are ready for next season. I guess that could be done in a big open test, but there's a lot of pounding going on right now. Um, mostly with Ganassi and Penske. And then eventually you're going to see Andretti and Errol McLaren get involved and then other teams after the new year as well. Brian Campbell asks the NFL or says the NFL has the biggest fan base in American sports. NBC is a broadcast partner with the NFL. NBC is also a broadcast partner with IndyCar. Why can't IndyCar figure out a cross promotion with the NFL and its fan base? I could think of 10 ways to do it. Brian writes. So I will invite Brian for next week's show to send me those 10 ways, send me some of those. And then also Tell me what's in it for the NFL, because you need to think about it from that perspective. Their business is not to help IndyCar. Their business is to help the NFL, and it also needs to not cost the NFL anything. Um, so I hear you, and, and I'm, I'd be encouraged, because there is the opportunity there, but we can't just think of this from our IndyCar focus. NBC has many, 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 many partners, sports-wise, and I'm sure they're all saying, Hey, can you give us a little promo on, on Sunday Night Football with 28 million people watching? How do you choose? And I feel like they do get some promotion on Sunday Night Football. I hear Mike Tirico reading promos all the time during the season. Agreed. Agreed. So, But I'd love, I'd love to hear those ideas because, hey, I believe somebody on this program knows some people in the IndyCar offices and someone else might know some people in the NBC offices and we can <laughs> share that down the line, especially if it comes at no cost to the league, which is going to be critical for the NFL. Hour number two coming up. Oh, we've got Alex Pillow news. And what is happening with Andretti's efforts for Formula One? We'll get into that coming up on Trackside. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's our number two, Trackside 93.5-1075 The Fan in Indianapolis. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan in studio in downtown Indianapolis. Elijah Robertson and Eddie Garrison. Uh, we are set for Tuesdays for the foreseeable future. We have a schedule. We'll, we'll maybe share that next week. We'll have some conflicts coming up, but I'm pretty sure next week we're back to Tuesday again from 7 until 9. And Pacer season is underway. I believe they get started with exhibition games or preseason games is the official term coming up this weekend. Uh, so we'll start to check our local listings for that as we move forward. All right, more news. We've still got a lot to cover. Came out, I guess, yesterday that Andretti Global, which is now the name of all of Andretti Autosport, that's what the IndyCar program will be officially known as in 2024, the Indy Next program and all other entities uh, which are massive in motorsport, and they are one step closer to Formula One. Uh, the FIA, do I have that correct? Approved it. So they got through the first step. Now they need the FOM, which is the commercial side of things, and the teams to approve things. But that's step one. And as a lot of people, if you read some columns in the Formula One world, the teams are probably going to have some splaining to do if they don't approve this because the stated obstacles and the stated variables that a new entrant and Andretti was the only one of, of the four or five that four, four. Uh, applied that got past this hurdle. And you can understand why, because of the financial backing that they have with group 1001 and GameBridge. And the, uh, what would you call it, the, the the money raising arm that they established a couple of years ago. So they got the finances down. And then they've got General Motors and Cadillac involved. They've got the Andretti brand. They have a massive facility coming in Indianapolis. They would be a true American team for a market that Formula One has always said we need to take a full advantage of. And where there, by the way, are more races than in any other country. So the point being, if the owners decline this, it's not going to make a lot of sense. But it is not a foregone conclusion that they are going to approve this. Everything that the influential people have said has been, yeah, yeah, we don't really want another team. Yeah, because they have 10 teams at the moment. They believe their pool of money is you know what it is, and they don't want to divide it 11 ways. They only want to divide it 10 ways. Now, I would argue that Andretti opens up additional revenue for the whole, and I think their ratings could be even better, and I think they need to be selling it. We've seen reports that maybe it's Apple uh, moving forward in a Formula One uh, broadcast package, and I think you know the next broadcast package should be very lucrative for formula one management. Um, but yeah, it's, this is, this is, uh, I don't know if, I mean, I, I saw, I saw it described as being on the one yard line, trying to score the touchdown. I don't think it's quite that close. I think they're, they're at least in the red zone. I think they've mm -hmm. got, they've got a chance. Um, 
you know, they've got, you know, they're in the in the final two minutes, meaning if this doesn't get approved, I don't know where they go from here. You know, the game is the game is clearly on the line here for a lot of reasons. It's not like you could turn to drag racing or turn to IMSA or turn to I mean, they're already at IMSA. But, you know, you get my point. There's not like another option. They have to finish this drive, if you will. I think they're in the red zone. And I think, you know, as what happens in a red zone, the defense tightens up. And I think the last the last couple of plays in the red zone are going to be very difficult to come by. But I think, you know, I think they've got a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning as a quarterback. I think they've got the right players. I think they've got, you know, the right coaching staff. I think they've got all the elements. They just have to finish the deal. The question is how pesky is the defense and, you know, can they, are there more than one ways to score a touchdown? Can you get in without just absolutely convincing them that this is the right thing to do. And and by the way, one other asset that they bring or one thing that should make them uh, more attractive is they not only want to bring a Formula One team, they want to start a ladder system like they've done with IndyCar racing. They want an F2 and an F3 program. So they, they want to go all in, and I would have to think that you'd love that, to have a Formula One team have a true ladder. There aren't many of those. They're, they have development drivers, but they generally place them with other teams most of the time. But to have the Andretti brand in F2 and F3 uh, is something to think about, is is another asset. Now, as far as you know, how are they going to get this through, I don't pretend to have enough knowledge of how this is going to work. And is it just simply the team principals voting? And so far, what we've heard is it doesn't seem likely that it's going to be approved. But is there a loophole that we're not aware of? You know, when does the Concord Agreement expire? Maybe that expires at some point. And once that is up, maybe the FIA has a little more control of what the next Concord Agreement has. This was not a surprise that Mohammed Ben Suleiman approved this. He has been pro Andretti, I think for good reason, because he sees the benefit of this and is looking more big picture where Formula One teams are tending as they have the right to do and as they probably should do, are looking at it always. How does this impact me? Oh, it might take away a percentage of our total prize gathering. Maybe it helps in the long run. No, no, I'm I'm worried about right now, right here, right now. So, um, that that's part of the process, but well, and how does my guess and, is that my guess is they get it they get across the line. I think there's going to be enough pressure, but I'm not willing to say they're at the one yard line. <laughs> that's going to be yeah. another big one if they get it done. Yeah, and and keep in mind that, for lack of a better phrase, this race team. By the way, I'm not sure if we're calling it Andretti Global. I saw Andretti Formula Racing. They've called it Andretti Cadillac. Andretti, you know, what is this okay. thing actually called on race day? But anyway, you know, they're they're effectively going to own the market in the U.S. I mean, they they're big enough. They they should have, they should have, you know. And I guess we thought this to some degree might happen with Haas back, you know, a decade or so ago that they might have more leverage with the uh, the American spending. Um, but from a they're sponsorship not an American team, but they're really, really? not. 
No. Nah, they're really not. They're really not. I know. I'm just saying it was perceived as that when Haas came into the program that it would be an American team and and yeah. so forth, and it never really materialized in terms of a a sponsor collection depot. And if if you go back to your discussion about McLaren and IndyCar and how they've accumulated so many sponsors uh, that they need other cars to put those decals on, you know, you would think that from an American company standpoint, that the biggest magnet in Formula One, maybe other than Ferrari, would be would be what Andretti could bring. So if you're a you know, if if you're one of these companies that wants to invest and you're a global company, uh, I would think you'd want to start with Andretti. And if you're some of those other teams, certainly some of those teams that are fishing in the well of the United States sponsorship uh, platform, you know, that's going to be a you're going to be a hard sell to to take money away from that might be kind of first going to Andretti or first opportunity to go to Andretti. I want to mention something else that I found very interesting that you brought up as well. I'm always interested in broadcast rights and the business and so forth, but this is pretty significant. And I don't know that it's going to be well received if, if it happens. Apple is, according to Business F1 magazine, eyeing Formula One for its next big investment. And they've gotten in with the MLS. They have a baseball package on Friday night, which I don't think anyone other than the hardcores are really paying attention to. I'm speaking of the baseball package because there's a lot of baseball otherwise involved, but the MLS thing is more exclusive and that has kind of shown them the path and potentially worth about $2 billion per year. And Formula One is a sport that makes sense that this might fly. But if if you're in the camp that is annoyed of how much attention Formula One gets, in America, you should want this to happen because I think this will slow the momentum. Being on ESPN with no commercials on Sunday mornings with no sporting competition, spring, summer, fall, they're NFL proof other than when they're London games. Uh, so the NFL is going to take care of that. They're going to start to own 930 on Sunday morning as well. Um, but this is been a along with the netflix show and the pandemic and everything else that's had a lot to do with their success i think people will go to the trouble to find formula one on apple but not a million people per sunday morning which has kind of been their average something in that range it will drop significantly now from a business standpoint and outright money makes sense because can you imagine the challenge of negotiating television rights in how many countries? 100? At least a hundred, at least a hundred. Yeah. To just say, Nope, one stop shopping here. We are all, we already offer a world feed. Now we're just going to deal with one company. Everyone can watch it. If you want to watch it. And this makes some sense from Apple, a global company to just say, I think we can make our money back on 2 billion that we are going to own this sport worldwide. That's not going to happen next year. It can't fully happen, I think, until like 29 because of some of the long-term contracts. But one of the big ones would be America, and I believe that has two more years after this year. So as soon as starting 26, something like that could happen. I think that could be good for Formula One. I think it could slow the roll a little bit of Formula One in the United States. Yeah, but 
but it's certainly a money grab if if there ever was one. So that that would be really good for for the decision making process. Although it probably doesn't change their mind. They don't want Andretti. Andretti is is as a name is it's certainly on par with with the the top couple names in Formula One. You know, Ferrari, Red Bull, me. Mercedes, yeah. Andretti. It's it's in that elite group for sure. I think you'd want Mario on your grid every week. You know, you you get him three or four times a year now, but I'd want him a little more than that and uh, just just that brand. But anyway, we'll see what comes of that. Oh, before we get to our next big topic, speaking of TV, just random thoughts. When you see other things that you don't think, well, this doesn't really impact us. One of the things that just came out today, I think, could have a positive impact on IndyCar's business model. So the schedule came out today for Big Ten basketball, and a lot of it is on Peacock. And while those like us knew this was coming when NBC uh, won a portion of the rights whenever that happened, eight, nine months ago, year and a half ago, whenever it was, um, we knew that was going to be a part of it. But it's starting to hit home, and it'll hit home even more in October. I think I saw five IU basketball games are going to be exclusively on Peacock, several Purdue games. The IU-Purdue game is going to be on Peacock. So while that's going to be an annoyance for people that are used to – it shouldn't be that huge of an annoyance because you've had to get BTN to find it. Some games will still be on Big Ten Network, uh, but they're not on ESPN anymore. So it's what? Fox, I forget, does CBS still have a part of it? Maybe it's Fox, CBS, NBC. Um, Check your local listings. Where I think this can help is two exclusive races next year. Um, We know that there aren't as many people watching on Peacock, and it's not going to change immediately as you have on television. But the gap is going to start to get a little bit closer. And I think this is good for the Midwest market, which is where most of the races in IndyCar are. There are going to be a lot of people that don't have Peacock right now that are going to have Peacock by the time we get to next spring. And maybe you actually get to where bars and restaurants start to have a Peacock subscription because they're going to need to show the IU and the Purdue game. They're definitely going to have to show the IU game if they operate in Indiana. So that hurdle is going to have to be navigated. So maybe when you go in on a Saturday, if you've got a table of four and it's not busy, you might be able to say, I'm going to watch the IndyCar qualifying show on Peacock. Okay, yeah, we have that. So that's a positive. And the two races that are on Peacock, that could be an option down the road. And I know people outside of Indianapolis think that IndyCar already has the Indy market. They need to spend all their time working outside. And I get that. I get that you don't want to be too Indy-centric, but IndyCar does not own this market. Aren't the ratings somewhere like three, three and a half, which is good. That's the best that we have. But that needs to be like a six or a seven. There is still room to grow. And this is a big enough television market where if you can double that and work within your strengths, that raises the overall number. So you can do two things at once. You can try to grow the sport nationally in all your other key markets, but don't think you have Indianapolis locked down. Most of the people here don't know that IndyCar races outside of the day before Memorial Day. Agreed. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've, I've always thought it was a fine balance, and people both inside and outside the 317 area code have, have debated this topic over the years. And my point kind of always was you still got work to do at home. And so don't, don't, uh, don't lose sight of that in your criticism of the effort that is put at home. All right. Where are we at on time for, no, we got, we got time to get into this. So let's do this next. Um, the story that that keeps on giving, the latest in the Alex Palou saga, courtesy of Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press, who wrote a story late this afternoon. Uh, Nathan Brown of The Star had this number out a while ago and said he'd been hearing something like 20 to 30 million. Jenna has seen a copy of the 17-page filing in court and writes the number down as $23 million. McLaren is suing Alex Pillow for to recoup the cost the team says it lost when the driver backed out of the contract he signed to join the team. So I don't think there's anything new in the early portion of the story, but there are some numbers. So reading with Kevin segment here for everyone. Um, Pillow did not respond to a message left by the Associated Press. The nearly 23 million in damages McLaren is seeking is broken down in future sponsorship tied to Pillow joining McLaren. We wondered about that in TT data, leaving Ganassi to go to McLaren. Seemed like there might be a tie-in. Uh, the story continues saying the cost of using him as a reserve F1 driver, how much McLaren spent developing Pillow for F1, and here's news, a $400,000 advance on his 2024 salary. McLaren is not seeking repayment of legal fees. It says it covered Pillow for Pillow in last year's fight with Ganassi. Okay, so there's one real bit of information. 400k which i feared might even be a bigger number because oh, if that number too. was yeah if that number was two three four five million yeah i don't see any way he's going to have to give that back but that is a palatable number for alex pillow with what we think he is going to make in his next contract with chip ganassi racing all right what else does this story well tell i us? i would say yeah i think that was the surprising number because it was I at least was led to believe either intentionally or subconsciously that that would be at least four times bigger than that. I mean, like a couple of three million dollars they gave him toward his maybe even gave him his entire 2024 uh, salary. Uh, the, the other thing that I would say that the money they spent trying to develop him for Formula One might be a different, a difficult thing from a legal standpoint. You just. You know, they've been think, trying, huh? I would think, yes. I would think that would be a difficult number. Uh, the number was like 15 and a half million on the sponsorship uh, support that they were going to get for him. To me, that if they lost that sponsor, then then I think that's a that's a debatable and, and that would hold water and not debatable, but it would hold water. The lost, uh, you know, other money that they spent developing him and expected from third parties they had listed about 3.5 million some of those kind of things feel like those might be difficult but you want to throw in everything uh, that you possibly could get that's what you do in a in a court case uh, the other thing that's in the in the document i think is as you'll get to is that he signed a three-year extension with ganassi yep uh that's what it says in there um we forgot to bring this up last week but we were talking two weeks ago that Hey, maybe he'll announce at the banquet that he's re-signed, but there's still been no official statement 
Yeah. Uh, from Alex Pillow about where he's driving next year. Correct? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yes. Yeah. And the contract is up. The contract is up. So, you know, sometimes it can be said, no, you know, there was always a contract. There was just an option picked up. No need for an announcement. I think at some point here, um, yes, Chip told me on television that he's coming back next year. But I think something more firm is probably going to be announced. And the team, I think, would say, yes, but we're going to announce that all together with what his sponsorship package is going to be. You know, if the rumors of DHL is coming on board... If and when that is signed, you know, I think that's when you would do something like that or whatever the primary sponsor is going to be of that car. So that was one bit. Um, I'm trying to look for it again. When I read this the first time, I think I also read in here. Here it is. The filing states that after McLaren had already been informed, Pelot was not honoring his contract with the team. A second letter from attorneys representing Pelot incorrectly. So this is the mclaren side this is what they are stating incorrectly claimed he had been promised a full-time seat in f1 and that because he was only going to be a reserve driver quote a complete severing of the relationship was in order so that is what Pelot's side is saying you promised us a guarantee of formula one so you didn't honor that so we have the option to get out I haven't seen anything. I would be shocked if there was anything in writing promising him Formula One, a Formula One drive. Yeah, I agree. In races. I agree. I also thought it was interesting. Probably not. It's probably insignificant. I'm sure my brother-in-law, who's an attorney, will will chide me for this one or any of my buddies that are attorneys. But it, it mentioned that when he signed the contract, he had no, quote, no guarantee guaranteed no outstanding obligations that would keep him from from driving for McLaren. And I wonder if when I, when I first read it, I thought, well, when he signed it, he didn't have any guaranteed outstanding objections uh, or obligations that would keep him from driving. It's only later that once well, he... other than that Chip Ganassi apparently held the option on him for 2023. Yeah, minor detail. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, minor detail. I just thought it was interesting, and and there were a lot of interesting things in this uh, developing story. We'll call it developing because it's still not over. So I'm sure this will not be the last Alex Pelo segment of 2023. McLaren contends in the AP story that Pelo signed two contracts, the first with McLaren Racing as the F1 reserve driver and a separate deal with Aaron McLaren to compete in IndyCar for the team while serving as the F1 backup. Among the damages McLaren is seeking is nearly $15.5 million in lost revenue under official partner agreements with sponsors that anticipated Polo would be the driver. The team also said it lost some $3.5 million expected from third parties surrounding Polo's participation in its testing program and wants to recoup all money spent on Polo when he was the test driver, both on track and in the simulator and money it is spending seeking a replacement for Polo. Um, yeah, I don't know. That seems like you're just asking for a little bit more. Um, ultimately, we haven't seen the contracts, so it's just armchair legal expertise with no expertise, by the way. So even if you do know something about the law, unless you've seen it and, you know, for example, is there anything written in this with the, you'd have to get the sponsor agreements. I think was a driver promised 
in this circumstance that you are coming on board and Alex Pillow will be your driver. If not, um, you know, can they take into consideration conversations? Hey, you come with us. We're probably going to have Alex Pillow next year. Is that I think, enough? I think if they had a contract with Alex Pillow, I think they could say with certainty, you know, NTT data, if you will. I think yeah. they could. I think it's that that at least connects dots for me. Yeah. Well, this isn't going to end anytime soon. And for Alex Pillow's sake, I hope he has powerful allies helping him in this regard if it goes the wrong way. And some people think he probably does that. You know, he may have made some mistakes here, but he still got some people advising him and they probably had a plan in this. It wasn't just throw it against the wall and hope this works out. That might have been what they did the first time around last summer, but round two, hopefully a, a little bit different. So I'm still going to think that there is something on the Polo side that is going to allow him to somewhere come out in the middle on this. It's going to cost him some money, I think, but I don't think it's going to crush him. Well, for people new to the story, if that's possible, and you've listened this long uh, on this on this show, he's still going to drive for Ganassi next year. It's all about the money that McLaren is going to recoup. You know, you would go into most of these legal issues uh, trying to get the most you can get. So they're asking for at least twenty three million. If they got mm -hmm. ten million, they probably call it a day. And they're probably hoping that Pelot was on an island by himself. And this just scares him and they come back with, all right, you pay us, um, you know, 40% of your salary for the next three years and we'll call it a day and go on from there. I don't think Alex Pillow is going to accept that, um, but we shall see. All right. Still plenty more we want to get to. There is some sports car related news that impacts the IndyCar world and my my schedule idea uh, that could come to fruition maybe as soon as next year. We'll, we'll get into that and more coming up. Trackside, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Okay, let's see some other news. This is IMSA related, but it's an IndyCar team who happened to win the Indianapolis 500 a couple of years ago. We feared this might be coming, and Michael Shank. Uh, let it be known, oh, a month or two ago that it was about 50-50 of its IMSA team continuing. And today they sent out a release that they will not be competing in 2024. The Meyer Shank Racing IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship team, which has won the last two Rolex 24s and won last year's Top Class Championship. That's the program that Elio Castroneves has been a part of Colin Brown. Tom Blumquist is moving over to his IndyCar program. But this all, you know, it's not in the release, but I think it's pretty safe to say this stems from manipulating tire pressure, uh, tire pressures and how tire pressures were 
measured in the Rolex 24 that was caught basically by Acura about a month after the fact. So they kept the win, but that was very much frowned upon by Acura. So they essentially, Acura, gave that program to Wayne Taylor and Andretti for 2024. Well, and keep in mind, this is the foundation of what Meyer Shank Racing has been about. Yep. Uh, it has uh, this cuts to the core of who they are. It's a it's a huge disappointment on on the behalf of the whole organization. They've got all kinds of great people who've won a lot of races and imps over the years and the sports car series in general. And um, this hurts. It's it's sad. It's because that's where. He was always a great story that started in sort of club racing, SCCA racing, and moved up to win the Rolex 24 multiple times, and then had a successful championship-level team in the GTD, the lower class, and then got that factory deal that everyone dreams about, which doesn't make it easy, but it goes a long way towards getting things done, to have success, and then to have it it go away like this. Um, I really feel for Mike. I also will say this. I think there is more to the story. You know, he can't really speak to this, and he's still associated with Honda on the IndyCar program. So there is potentially more to the story from both sides out of all of this. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. When you were caught manipulating the tire pressures, which was a big deal, especially when you're talking about really cold overnight situations and uh, some some tire pressure regulations being involved. That's a biggie. So hopefully it is a one-year situation. And there is a possibility, you know, one of the things we were holding out hope for, I kept hearing about Alpine and maybe being sort of a customer program for them. And Sports Car 365 wrote today again that they're still linked to a possible effort as soon as 2025 with them. But Michael Shank is very resourceful, and I expect we will see him back in IMSA soon. I'm I'm hoping I think Colin Brown could drive an IndyCar. Uh that wasn't I didn't think made sense to bring both Colin Brown and Tom Blumquist over in the same year. It was kind of one or another. Luckily for Colin, he is in very high demand as a sports car racer and he is tight with George Kurtz, the CEO of CrowdStrike. Uh so he'll be doing some different things including racing with George this weekend at Indianapolis. But I hope somebody else picks up Colin again for a top-level drive in IMSA next year because he is really, really good. A couple of other uh, tweets. I don't know if we can get into all... Oh, no, I I, I said we'd do this, so we'll see if we have time for tweets or not. Um, So one of the questions remaining for 2024's schedule will be if an exhibition race at Argentina can come to fruition. And that can really happen at any time. You know, I would, I don't know what the deadline is. It's just a deadline of whenever you think it can work for the local promoter to make sure they make their money. That can maybe happen as late as January, something like that. Uh, so I think, even though I've heard some of the teams are not super excited, I got to think you could get them excited about it, especially if you write them a check that helps them easily make their payroll in the off season. Um, I think it would be a wonderful way to kickstart the next season. So let's say you do this race in late October, or even better yet, early November. 
Can it happen mid-November? Can it happen a week after the NASCAR season is over? When the only thing left is Formula One, and maybe you'll make it work out so it's a weekend, when there is no Formula One racing. By that time, most of the next season driver changes will have already been done. So this is our first chance, say it's happening in a month, to see David Malukas in a McLaren car, to see the other changes that have happened. And here's the way I think it becomes better commercially. So I've had this idea, and I know I've said it before, if you're going to run against the NFL, it would be in your best interest to start at noon Eastern. Or earlier. It's hard to do. Or earlier. But that's hard to do. And IndyCar doesn't race anywhere in the Eastern time zone at the end of the season. Even if you wanted to do that next year with Nashville, noon Eastern is 11 a.m. And I... I think this year, didn't we race at 1130 local time? So you could do it, but it's not great. You're there for a party. Um, you're whining and dining all your, your partners on Saturday night. Don't make them come to the racetrack at 8 a.m. for the race. I think you want to probably do that a little later on. But that's a thought, because I do think even starting at noon, while you're head-to-head with the NFL at some point, you got a chance. If you started at noon and you have a compelling race, maybe they watch, maybe they delay their NFL viewing and say, you know what, I'm a Colts fan. I'm going to watch the Colts game starting at 2 o'clock on DVR, and I will catch up by halftime. But this race is so good. I want to see the championship decided. I'm already here. I'm going to stay. That's your best-case scenario. I don't know if that's a great one, starting at 11 o'clock local. But how about this? So if you're doing an exhibition race in Argentina, if you can get NBC to give you that time, do it at 11 a.m. Eastern time. It is, I looked this up a couple of weeks ago. I think I think there's two hours difference. That would be noon local time and possibly 1 p.m. local time. So it'd be easy to do a noon Eastern and probably doable to do an 11 a.m. And the time is going to change sometime here in the fall. So depending on when that is, you're talking one or two hours difference. That's how all of a sudden this becomes not just an exhibition race, but a commercial opportunity. I've had enough of NFL pregame shows. I would rather watch live sport on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, a two-hour race. Boom, checkered flag. It ends. I'm flipping over to the 1 p.m. games. So right and now that's there's where a, I think, yeah, that right now there's only a one hour time difference, uh, but I think it goes to two hours. I think it might, but even if it's one, even if you need to run the race in October, you could start it at noon. That's one o'clock local time. That's doable. And then you have a television window where at least you get an hour before you're going head to head with the NFL. So there's my thought of that's going how that's going to happen. That's how I think it makes a little bit more sense commercially for an exhibition race to still get a pretty decent rating. Wait long enough to where we're really hungry for IndyCar racing again, and you don't have as much competition. All right, we'll get into some tweets and what we missed coming up in a moment. Trackside. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Final segment, What We Missed, includes Connor Daly getting another chance at NASCAR Xfinity this weekend. He'll need to qualify. I believe there are more drivers than spots available. I think it's the 53 car for Emerling Gay, so good luck to Connor coming up this weekend. A few other tweets at Kevin Lee 23 Kyle Curley Pollock simply says, enjoying trackside on my way home from work. Good listen after a 14-hour day. Thank you for that. Tim Berryman asks, is Texas just a one-time schedule issue, or are they gone? Good question. It's possible it's just one time. It is certainly a scheduling issue, but the event, it had challenges. And the incentive for IndyCar was to have a super speedway before the Indianapolis 500. And if September is all the track is going to offer, then that doesn't really fill that bill. So then what's going to be different? What can be done to make it look better, um, to not look so empty? I have a hope that maybe it can work especially with a no Olympic break next year. Maybe everything gets moved up a week and you do have an opportunity first weekend of September. So I give it a chance, but I also realize there is a chance it's not just a schedule issue that um, this is the way it's going to be. The other hope, I think, is maybe first weekend of May. If you move some things around, maybe that's far enough away from an April 14th-ish cup race to make that doable, but probably not great for the track and probably going to be a challenge to get a lot of people there as well. NASCAR schedule, we believe, is set to come out tomorrow. And then Mike J also had a question about the, um, the, the test on the Oval, October 11th. He wants to know, is it more than just rookies? I believe it's just rookies. And Nathan Brown wrote today that Kyle Larson is set to go on the 12th, but maybe that gets moved up if it looks like weather is a factor. Uh, and there also could be some hybrid testing with a couple of cars. But it's not going to be a lot of cars. It will be three, four, five. So take that in consideration if you are thinking about making the trip. We're out of time. Uh, I had a lot of good tweets with suggestions to pass along to NBC. I'll save that, and we'll do that next week on the show, and I'll tell you what uh, I thought. And some of them I definitely did pass along. So we'll do that next week, Tuesday night, 7 until 9. Thanks for joining us. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. It's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.